On this week's program, Infinity War hits a billion. The video game industry is looking for millions. And what games would we like remade? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back for another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glass from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of our show once again. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is the man, the myth, the legend behind Humanica Media. You gotta check out all their shows today on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and also their great videos on Humanica Media on YouTube. It's my good friend. It's Mr. Josh Peterson. What's going on, man? Hey, hey, hey. Just uh, reeling in that last bit of weekend, you know what I mean? And uh, talking some podcast stuff. We've got a great show lined up for everyone today. We're going to be talking about the video game industry just before E3 2018 coming next month. Josh has a great interview with the independent band Young Ghosts. And we're going to be playing a little bit of that here later in the broadcast. Also as well, Josh and I are going to be sharing our thoughts on some of the games we'd like remade. And of course, Rob McCallum comes back into the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire. He is also going to be sharing his thoughts on the early success of Avengers Infinity War as well. Speaking of Avengers Infinity War, it just went over a billion dollars faster than any other movie in just 11 days, even for its second weekend, which was down 56% from its amazing first weekend, but still did very well, over $100 million at the box office. The IMAX screen that I was at was filled with individuals just waiting to see this movie. And it's still, people were still clapping and cheering and gasping and ooing and aahing with each and every moment during the film. Some guy even clapped when, spoilers, Iron Man got injured at the hands of Thanos there. So I ask you, Josh, it has reached a record pace of $1 billion in 11 days. You called it $2 billion was going to be something that you were targeting and that you thought it was going to exceed that. Are you excited that it's still doing so well? And did you think it would actually do even better than you anticipated? Yeah, it's weird with this one because I'm talking to people who really like the movie and they're actually talking about how they want to go back and see it again. And, and that's not something that you see with a lot of movies. I mean, not just Marvel movies, but with any movie in general. So it's weird to hear people saying that. There you go. And I, like I said, I actually saw it for the second time on an IMAX theater, which was more expensive than the first time I saw it by a large margin. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's another thing. Like, the fact that people want to go back and experience this again goes to show you that it's not going to slow down anytime soon because you're just a small percentage, a larger percentage of people who are going to be going back to this movie. And there are some people who haven't even seen it yet. So, you know, I imagine when I guess when the weekend people have have time to go see it or they're going to go want to go see a movie, they're going to a lot of people are going to go back and experience this movie again, maybe even three times. So it's not really at this moment, it's not really showing any signs of slowing down. It makes me wonder how is Infinity War going to affect the release of the Han Solo film? Funny you should mention that because Solo is tracking 
at about a pace a little bit larger than Black Panther, which is actually a very impressive sign considering the fact that a lot of people have Solo, a Star Wars story, actually earmarked for doom and gloom and thought it wouldn't get close to a billion dollars. If that's the case and people seem to like it and stand behind it, that could be a good sign for Solo. Deadpool 2, everybody seems to be having some great thoughts as well. I think it's just going to be the month of May. It's going to be a great time to go see a lot of movies out there. And that could lead into a very strong June as well. Yeah, I mean, because what Black Panther has been in theaters is still in theaters. and you Yes, it's actually still in the top 10. Yeah, and that just goes to show you that like Infinity War had such a huge impact on people. And it's right at the beginning of summer. So basically, this film has another, what, three months to to kind of marinate with audiences. So I think we're at this point, I don't even think we're seeing half of what it's going to do in the overall long run. You said it hadn't been released in China yet, correct? It gets released in China, I believe, this week, if memory serves. So could lead to a much bigger reception. And you're right, it could go well over $2 billion if that's the case. Right, we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg here. So I, I mean, personally, I'm gonna, I want to go see it again. So it, it just depends on how many people are like us who want to experience it again, experience it in IMAX, or even overseas who are going to be experiencing it for the first time, and how many of them are going to want to go see it again. So it, it's exciting to think about, but we're, I don't think we're going to be able to see any like solid numbers until probably at least July to see like exactly what kind of damage this thing has done at the box office. Well, that's starting off on a great note, and it looks like Avengers Infinity War is going to be a big success for Marvel and Disney. And that's good to see, because as you and I have talked about over the past few months, there's been some really slow times for the movie industry when it comes to the box office receipts. That is a good sign when people are going again out to go see these films, all led by Infinity War over a billion dollars in its first 11 days, and it looks like it's not slowing down very much at all. What are your thoughts on Infinity War? Did you like it like we do? It's one of my favorites. I believe it's also one of Josh's as well. What are your thoughts on the film? Let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. Josh, E3 is coming around the corner. You're going to be there with Humanica Media and the guys from the Super BS Gamescast. Your thoughts on where the video game industry is at. I've got some hard numbers I want to shoot out, but I first want to hear your thoughts on where the video game industry is at here in 2018, just ahead of E3. It's a very weird territory right now because you see there's a divide between people who want more multiplayer games and people want more single player experiences and it feels like less and less studios are willing to put the time and effort into the big single player experience then again god of war came along and kind of changed everything but it's also a huge big time for for the indie games because a lot of people are able to get the satisfaction of a single player game through indie titles that you know you could pay significantly less money for and have you know five or six hours of playtime with so it's a very it's a very weird landscape and i have this feeling that the battle royale fad is going to phase out here in the you know within the next couple of years but uh you know as for e3 it's gdc and packs are kind of where like the the developers are making big announcements now and you're seeing less and less at e3 because it's becoming more of a 
fan experience. And I know less and less press are going to E3 as of late. So I, I don't know where, where it's going. I think Nintendo kind of is setting the stage for a new type of press release for their Nintendo Directs, which, you know, they're, I don't know if they're going to have a press. I'm sure they'll have some kind of press conference at E3, but, you know, they're smart doing their things like separate of all of that because they don't have to, they don't have to worry about putting on a big show or putting all this money into something that may or may not do anything for them. So I don't know, man. It's it's a weird landscape and it's changing a lot between indie and single player, multiplayer, stuff like that. A lot of studios are being closed up or enveloped by bigger companies like EA and then EA is closing them up internally. It's a different landscape from what it was. What are your thoughts on it? Obviously, that starts with the Battle Royale, which is the hot fad going on right now. PUBG and especially Fortnite are making hand over fist as far as dollars are concerned and generating so much income, not only for the PC and console market, but also for themselves. They've created mobile games, which now are at the top of the heap as far as downloads and people wanting to play. So they've done a great job of promoting both their games, PUBG and Fortnite, over not only, like I said, consoles and PCs, but also over the mobile systems as well. So that's a great start right there. Then you have the console makers. They all recently announced their financials as of the fiscal years that concluded at the end of March. All three are showing signs of nice profits all three are showing signs of eh, maybe they could things are they could do a little better with nintendo obviously they're not at the point that they were at the height of the wii in fact you're talking about something maybe a half to a little less than half as far as generating the the type of profit that they once did with the wii but the switch has still done very nicely for them and it's generating a lot of more money for them at this time With PlayStation, you're right. God of War has been a big hit. So big, it is the fastest-selling PlayStation 4 exclusive title. They've done a great job promoting it, and it's selling like hotcakes. Yes, the PlayStation 4 is probably on its decline. It is now sitting at around $75 But even if that's the case, they are still winning almost every month on the U.S. Marketplace. I think Nintendo Switch will still take over as far as sales there in the all-important holiday season. But for right now, PlayStation 4 is still doing very strong there, even though, as I've said before, the ebb and tide and the the slope as far as the actual sales are concerned may be starting to go a little bit on the downside because, what, we're four years into life cycle. What can you expect at this point in time? I think it's actually seen extended life and will continue to see extended life much more so than previous generation consoles. Xbox is kind of like, for lack of a better term, the X factor. It is still generating some nice income for Microsoft, but seeing how it's sitting at number three, it still needs to do things better, especially when it comes to making games that are exclusive to its console in order to try and generate more income and a higher profile. The Xbox One X, the higher definition unit that still costs right around $500, that I think has to come down in price. And if it does, you'll see an influx of sales to support it, but also comes down to the games where 
they need to go ahead and bring out more exclusives to, or in order to generate more income for the company. It did rise from the previous year. All, in fact, all three have risen anywhere from 15 to 20% from what they were doing in 2017. So that's a good, good sign for this fiscal year that, and like I said, ended as of March 31st. But in order to continue that growth, they need to all take steps, strong steps to support the current systems that they're utilizing right now. I agree, especially if they want to see another generation of consoles arrive here by 2020, like everyone's predicting, they're going to have to kind of step up their game. And they kind of got away with like, like Sony, especially gets away with more than they should as far as like showing trailers years before the games come out. And, you know, we're all waiting patiently for uh, Days Gone and like Final Fantasy VII. They, they kind of get away with more than they should, whereas everyone's super harsh on Microsoft because, you know, they have new Forza or whatever come out every year, but there's not a lot of original IP addresses hitting consoles. So there's room for improvement and there's opportunity and no one, people aren't giving up on consoles and these big single player experiences. So yeah, I think there's room for growth and we'll, you know, I'm curious to see what pops up at E3 this year and what makes its way out in the coming years. I know Nintendo is switch has yet to announce any like big titles for the fall and they usually have one or two. So I'm, I'm curious to see what those will end up being but yeah i know there's there's definitely room for the consoles to grow and come back as opposed to you know there's a lot of mobile gaming's kind of making a uh not, i don't want to say comeback but they're it's getting big and there's the uh, steam is another big thing so if these uh these consoles and you know the sony microsoft nintendo they definitely have their work cut out for them if they want to survive in the future market and when it comes to the mobile platforms that's somewhere Nintendo has said that they're finally going to start making a concerted effort and a focus on, which is a great sign and something that experts and people just have come to know the video game industry like you and I. We've been asking for them to do for years that they're and now they're finally paying attention to it. They're finally listening and that they're they're actually going ahead and making a concerted effort to make a better presentation when it comes to the mobile marketplace. With PlayStation, it's just how much can they extend the PlayStation 4 so they don't have to bring a PlayStation 5 out quickly. And also, can they really do anything when it comes to the VR market and their own PlayStation VR, which it is the leading seller among the VR market, but the VR market has not taken off like people thought it would. So I think there's something right there to that. And when it comes to Xbox, it's just... At this point in time, they need to start thinking a little bit outside the box. I've said it to you before, Josh, of all the the consoles that are out there, I think the Xbox One has, especially the base unit, has the best value and offers the most for the money. But again, it's it's about Microsoft going ahead and presenting that product out to people. Well, it's been two years, two or three years since we've seen a new Halo, but they kind of they have all the recipe for success that they need, but they're not doing it. They're not putting out new properties. They're there. And, you know, God bless them for working on backwards compatibility. They listen to their fans more than Sony does, but they're always being crucified by Sony fanboys and the media for not doing this or not doing that. But really, if they could have just one successful new property come out, or heck, bring back Fable. That I mean, that would put them back on the map. They they know what they need to do to 
survive. And even Phil Spencer has said that, yeah, they need to put more focus into new properties. And if they were to to do that and come out with something that people actually like, I'm not talking about like ReCore, but I'm talking about something that has a narrative and you can incorporate multiplayer, you can incorporate couch co-op or whatever it is. Those are the kind of games that have made Microsoft popular. You know, they, they're known like the Xbox people have been known for having these games that you can play with your friends, four player games, couch co-op games. That's why people buy Xbox. And if they could go back to that formula that made them popular, I think that could put them back on the map for at least another two or three years. I agree. And I think that they need to go ahead and take steps like that in order to ensure the longevity of the Xbox or whatever it is that they're going to produce in the future. What are your thoughts on the video game industry heading into E3? Do you think all three console makers are doing well, or is there one in particular that's doing better than the others? Is there one that's not meeting your expectations? Share us your thoughts, PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. Just got to let you know before we hit a break that our shows are being streamed seven days a week on online radio and that we deliver two brand new shows covering the latest in pop culture every Monday and Friday to Apple Podcasts or over 30 different podcast networks. Just subscribe to any one of them on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel to get extra content or just check out the Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page for our entire radio schedule and the list of those podcast networks. Josh, you got a great thing going on with Humanic Media. So tell us what's going on with your great experience known as Humanic Media. Well, there's going to be a new episode of Top Gocalypse dropping in the morning, and you can catch a new Super BS Games cast that dropped on Thursday, and we'll have another another something, I think a God of War review going up on Tuesday. Charles Smith has been dropping content like crazy on the Inside Sports podcast, so he dropped three new episodes today, or I dropped them, he just sent them to me. You can check that out, and also we have a show, you know, whenever the podcast radio network decides to come back online we will have some stuff for you on there too oh that's awesome indeed and it's going to be a great time every chance you get to check out one of the great shows on the humanic media networks just go to podbean youtube apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows to check out all their great programming when we come back josh is going to be talking to the young ghosts And then a little bit later on, the Cosmic Crossfire is coming up with Rob also talking about Avengers Infinity War, how it's performed in its early days, and his thoughts on that. And then Josh and I will be coming back later in the program to talk our thoughts on some games that we think deserve some modern love and maybe some a retrofit, a reimagining, or some type of deal where they're thought of once again and put in the public eye one more time. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. Maybe it's just bad luck, maybe it's worse, maybe it's worse. 
We're joined here by the band Young Ghost. What's up, guys? What's up? Hey, what's up? So you guys are actually in Florida. So you are talking to us from the future. Um, three hours. Three hours. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, it's a it's a time jump. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I, just, you know, tell us about Young Ghost, man. How, how'd you guys? How'd you guys all come together? How'd you decide on the genre you wanted to play? Tell us about the experience that is Young Ghost. Alrighty. Um, all right. Well, I guess I'll start and well, right. I'll try to be short and uh, pass it off to someone else. Um, but uh, I'm Kyle. I play drums. A few of us actually used to play in a different band, and that band kind of uh, met its end, and we kind of realized that some of us were more serious about it than others, and uh, we decided that it was time to kind of rebrand and get things going, you know, more seriously and in a more passionate and full-time manner. Um, so a few of us, uh, found basically replacements for the band members that, uh, we'd parted ways with and, uh, started Young Ghosts uh, just a little over two years ago. Cool. Cool. What, uh, what was the, what, what kind of bands were you guys in before? Was it same, same genre or was it like di- different type of music? Um, I think this would be a good point. Like I'll answer and then I'll pass the mic off cause it's a little bit different for each of us. Um, personally, um, Under Oath and Architects would be two very large influences for myself. Um, I'm going to pass it off to Nick. Oh, that's He's asking. You're asking about other bands we were in, right? Yeah, yeah. What what type of music was it? I'm sorry, yeah, I misunderstood the question. Hey, no, that was actually going to be my next question: was what your influences are. But hey, let, let's let's keep going around here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I. I've uh, joined bands playing guitar and then somehow switched to vocals like more than once. So that just keeps happening to me. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what happened is we were like, uh, we were like a softer sort of band. And then we were like, yeah, we don't really want to do this anymore. And then we just all switched around and did different stuff. And well, I switched around. We didn't all switch around. It's just me. So Hell yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> we just kind of changed it up and uh, started doing something that we liked more. So, all right, right oh, on, yeah. right on. I'm Nick, by the way. Oh, <laughs> hey, I, I, I didn't even like introduce <laughs> us. I'm sorry, guys. Um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I always like skip that part for some reason. I'm Josh, and this is Justin. And that's up? also Justin. So there's an abundance of Justins in this room. Uh, don't feel hey, like you need to specify if you just you just say Justin. One of them will answer. One of them will answer. Anything, All J's. Anything with a J will probably get somebody to respond. Oh, that's right, huh? That's yeah. a triple threat there. Um, yeah, cool. So what about the rest of you guys? Uh, the rest of you guys playing bands too, or is this your your first one? Uh, no. Um, I've been playing in a band uh, in bands since I was 13. So. Oh, nice. I've been doing it for a minute, um, but yeah, this is definitely the uh, most fun and most exciting thing I've done uh, musically. Um, I, I've just never been this progress uh, with anything I've done before, so uh, my name is Mike, by the way. Play bass. Nice, nice. D- okay, I have a question for you. As the bass player, do you ever get uh, treated unfairly? Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it's... Uh... <laughs> Oh, why do you have to do that? <laughs> I think it's funny that you say that because um, that's normally the stigma. 
Um, but I kind of throw it in their faces a lot because it's kind of opposite for me. Okay. All right. Not trying to be, um, do they know is the question. You're asking if he gets treated unfairly. Yeah. You ever left him at a show? So we're all laughing because a lot of times I think Mike can be a little sensitive. <laughs> and uh, Get your hand off my shoulder. <laughs> I think sometimes Mike thinks he gets treated unfairly. And maybe sometimes I do give him a world of shit. But uh, we try to be pretty fair. We've all been friends for so long. Um, so I don't really... Well, yeah, that's us all kind of like inside jokes and stuff like that. So was that your question though? Like... I'm fairly within the band or yeah well I mean there's like you know the, the stigma with bass players like you know uh people always say why don't you make like a bass player and be inaudible I was just curious if that was a uh well, thing for you guys kind of like where I was going at was like <laughs> like within the band I guess you could kind of say like sometimes I'm like dude would you guys just quit you know like there's moments like that but I think um outside the band I, I don't think it's necessarily that way um I'm pretty I'm pretty intense when I'm on stage and live so it's kind of funny, like a lot of people notice me like, hey, you're the bass player for Young Ghost. And that, I think that's kind of not typical for most bass players in most bands. So that's kind of like where I was going with that answer. Nice, nice. Yeah, because, you know, the bass player and drums, kind of the, the backbone of the music. Yeah, and the, the, like, the first ones that kind of get looked over. But I think, um, honestly, it's kind of opposite um, for us, which makes me feel pretty good. So Good. Maybe you're, you're starting a movement here. Like, yeah. I was stand up for bass players everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who's, who's next here? Uh, maybe you can. You can. Looks like you can see a nice view of his shoulder, but this is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> What's going on? So we got two Joshes, two Justins. What up? All right, cool. I mean, uh, I actually was in a band called Agraja before this. Um, we just broke up. You guys, the first one was here. But um, yeah. Now this is my main focus, and I'm ready to roll and do whatever we gotta do. Hell yeah! (laughs) No, I like it. I like it. Short and to the point. Yeah. Mic drop. (laughs) Oh yeah, sure. You want me? This is Charlie. What's up, guys? I'm Charlie. Hey, hey what's, what's up, Charlie? What's going I, on? Uh, I don't play bass. <laughs> <laughs> um, I played in a couple bands before this, but it was like never nothing really serious. So, um, <laughs> all right, fair enough. Uh, yeah, no, no, nothing. I don't want to talk about that. Anyways, yeah, this is really like the first thing that I've ever done that's been like serious or whatever, and like. It's pretty cool because like, I get to uh, play music in front of a bunch of people and hopefully get to play around the world doing that, which would be tight. Yeah. So I like to travel. And so like traveling, playing music it would be like, that's like been a big goal for me since I was a kid. So hopefully this turns into that opportunity and I get to do that. But like I said, I've never really done anything too serious before this. So All right, cool. This- yeah. yeah so you guys so you guys are from florida like the east coast seems to be a place where a lot of uh uh you know bands in the post-hardcore genre come from you have like um emory hopes fall uh under oath is they're you know they're all from over that do you guys get to play with a lot of like cool musicians or any of the musicians you guys idolize or anything um yeah i guess you could say that a lot of bands will come through here like bigger bands um 
that are more established that we get to play with, which is pretty cool. So we get to meet them, talk to them, hang out with them, you know, share the stage. Just pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so you, how did you guys all come together though? Have you always been friends or was this just a, were you guys just jamming one night and decide to start a band or how, how did that happen? Um, <laughs> really, the, um, I kind of met everybody else except for, I've known Mike for a while. I've known him for like, I don't know, six, seven, eight years, something like that. Everybody else in the band, I kind of met, uh, like two or three years ago. But as soon as I met everybody, like we all clicked instantly. And I think it probably say the same for everybody else too. Yeah, I think it was like a chain of events. Like Mike pulled me into the band that we used to be. Um, and then I pulled Nick, who is our current vocalist. Um, he was the guitarist of our previous band. I pulled Nick into that band. Um, that band ended. And then that was when we found Charlie, who Mike was longtime friends with. Um, the four of us clicked. Um, Josh came in a little bit later down the road. But uh, he was actually just a friend who was in different bands in the area. And, uh, I actually always, used to fangirl over this band. Yeah, he, he was a big supporter of our old band. Yeah. And, you know, was very supportive of this band when it started. Uh, so naturally, when we got the opportunity to uh, bring Josh in the mix, we were really excited and uh, it was a natural fit. <laughs> What's going on? What's going on? <laughs> uh, I, was, I was just saying that I, I got Josh in the band. It was me. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, no, Someone else taking credit? <laughs> Does everybody else? I've known him for a long time. <laughs> want to thank the Young Ghost. If you want to check out the entire program, it is available on the Topicocalypse channel on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and so many other podcast outlets. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And we're back with another edition of The Cosmic Crossfire. We truly appreciate you sticking around and enjoying the program. But it wouldn't be a cosmic crossfire without my good friend. He is the man, the myth, the legend behind Rob McCallum Films. You got to check out all of his great projects today on robmccallumfilms.com, including the upcoming project that he has now available on Kickstarter that you can go and help support. It is Galaxy of Hope, an unauthorized Star Wars documentary that will help out so many children out there. It is just truly great that he's actually going ahead and doing this with his best friend, Jay Bartlett. It is my good friend as well. It is Rob McCallum. What's going on, my friend? Oh, not much. Another day in paradise, as you like to say. Just uh, hitting the Kickstarter campaign trail really hard and uh, talking to a lot of different people that are excited to uh, be a part of it. And uh, just putting a lot of time into that kind of stuff. You know how it goes. I know how it goes indeed, especially across social media. You have been extremely active. In fact, you have gotten the help and assistance of a lot of well-known Star Wars celebrities in your cause to try and get people aware about the great Galaxy Hope Kickstarter campaign. Yeah, Mark Hamill has uh, liked three of our tweets now officially. We have Dave Benison on board who created uh, Luke's walking stick in Last Jedi, and he's created a custom replica that's going to be part of the project. 
So that's cool. We have Michael Giacchino who did the score for a lot of different Pixar films and of course Rogue One. And just now we shared that Charles Soule who uh, did the uh, writing on Anakin and Obi-Wan, Darth Vader and the new book on Poe he retweeted to all his followers as well. So there's no shortage of support from people in the actual Star Wars uh, universe or tethered to the creation of it. Just need a little push from all the fans out there that want to see a cool Star Wars documentary and want to dig into some of the cool Star Wars collectibles out there and see the impact it's going to have on uh, kids that work with charity foundations and and just basically see that uh, really life-changing impact that every dollar we raise can help. And if you could just go into really quick detail about Galaxy Hope and why it's so important that people need to go ahead and back this on Kickstarter. It's pretty simple. I mean, it is it is another Quest movie. So in that regards, it's, it's somewhat of a spiritual successor to Nintendo Quest. But it's really about making an example of fandom for good using the force of fandom for all the good things we hear a lot of stuff about fandom being negative and you know people in their own corner and they want to own different things and it's their thing to love and you can't have any opinions on it this is the opposite of that this is us fans coming together as a community to help those who can't help themselves and who need the help for the greater good this is like using the force the underdog rebels to to overcome that that shadowy empire uh, that gets us all down. But in this case, it's illnesses and and diseases and and circumstances that children can't do anything about. Their way of living is is not like what we're dealing with. And our patient ambassador, Andy Morrison, she, she has an ailment that requires blood transfusions every three weeks. So she's 10 years old. She's had 150 transfusions in her life that take a long time to do. And that's just part of her day to day. So when we sit there complaining about whether this happened in this movie or this didn't, uh, wasn't good enough for me, you know, it's stuff like this that really puts it in perspective. And she's a huge star Wars fan. Her dog's name is Jedi. So it's really nice to be able to connect with her on that level. And that's all she cares about. She doesn't look at herself as someone who has a lesser quality of life or anything like that. But I know through our efforts with myself and Jay and everybody on board, including you backers, we can improve her life so she can uh, enjoy, you know, something of a, of a better echelon than what maybe she's used to right now. And again, the auction and, and collectibles that are raised from this outing that you can help support today on Kickstarter to document this as far as the search for all these great Star Wars collectibles that the proceeds from the actual auction that they would like to go ahead and do for the Star Wars collectibles that are all gathered up, go to the Children's Health Foundation. And again, to help children like you were just mentioning just now that are in need, that are going through a daily life that definitely deserves a helping hand. That's, That's just great indeed. And again, you can help support it today. Just search for Galaxy Hope on kickstarter it comes right up it's galaxy hope an unauthorized star wars documentary just pops up right there pick a tier that's out there whether you want the full dvd the blu-ray the the direct download do you want to be have a name in the credits associate producer do you want to be at the auction i mean there's several different tiers that are out there choose one to your liking and help support this great cause today We've been talking with a, a potential backer. They're they're going to jump on in the next day or so from what we understand, and they're going to snap up a key sponsor 
credit, which is our highest reward. It's about a thousand dollars US. And what you get for that is uh, in this case, this is a toy shop, I believe, where they're going to have their toy shop appear in the credits before the title. So it'll say Pyro Productions presents a film by Rob McCallum in association with I don't want to say the name of the shop in case it doesn't go, but uh, John's Toy Shop. Then it'll say Galaxy of Hope. So there is an opportunity to have some really great evergreen marketing for your store or your shop out there for life, which is pretty good. And we've done that on similar projects. And we know that people have watched our films and gone to these stores as a result of seeing that uh, been featured in, in such a manner. So this this is a good chance. And for only a thousand bucks, it's pretty good marketing. And this is someone right here who, it. this is not his first film. He's not doing a student film or anything like that. This is someone who has a background with several different films. And you can check them out today on robmccallumfilms.com, like Kitty, Origins and Evolutions, which just blew the doors off of Amazon and sold out right away. Also, as well, you've got Missing Mom, which has done great on Amazon Prime. Of course, the big hit documentary, Nintendo Quest, and and so many others box art is on the way also as well the power of grayskull so rob has been around this avenue i think once or twice so definitely if you contribute to this great cause today on kickstarter you'll see a great product when it comes out on screen but rob not only are we here to talk about galaxy hope but we're here to talk as well about some great pop culture topics so rob what's on your mind when it comes to pop culture one massive topic that i think everybody is talking about in some capacity and i I think has even affected the galaxy of hope uh, kickstarter campaign is infinity war has come out and i know you and josh had a had a really long uh, non-spoiler free discussion about what worked and what didn't work in that in that film and what you guys liked and the the the, the, how everybody's pumped up and the hype around it it obviously broke a lot of records as well this weekend. Do you have the numbers specifically offhand where we are now with how much it's made? It finished off with $258 million at the U.S. domestic box office, which is a record which beats the 248 from Star Wars The Force Awakens. So it is the all-time leader in first weekend's domestically and also worldwide it not only exceeded expectations it blew it away people were saying maybe 480 500 this went over 640 million dollars worldwide in its first what three four days because it came out earlier in places like australia and whatnot uh about in this four first four or five days it earned over 640 million dollars so that is something you know, obviously, this overwhelming. Although the overseas, actually, the one of the Fast and Furious installments earned more in that period of time. But combined with the domestic, the worldwide take for those first few days is larger than any other entity. Yeah, I remember uh, reading something about the Fate and the Furious being a little bit, a uh, little bit higher, of course. And I think it even made some IMAX records domestically both in the number of screens it was on and the fact that the entire film was shot with IMAX cameras was a first as well. Did really well on Thursday night, I believe as well. Didn't it beat the dark night on Thursday night alone for the midnight screening, which was the previous holder? I believe so, but it's still, it fell actually, no, on Thursday nights, it actually fell behind about three or four films, including Harry Potter, Deathly Hallows, I think part one, if I'm not mistaken, and a couple other films. But it really made it back up on Friday and Saturday. 
where it scored huge dollars there. So that's, that's pretty much where it actually gained all that momentum. Word of mouth, word of mouth among just consumers and, and fans and audience members out there. That's pretty much the key to why this huge juggernaut came to be. So let's put it in perspective. It is already the number two film worldwide this year, and it did in three or four days. And I got to tell you, this is not a film I was the least bit excited to see. And I found myself over the course of the weekend with everybody talking about it and the buzz being in the air, kind of saying, I kind of wonder what it's about. I kind of wonder what's going on. People are saying some surprising things about it that I didn't expect for them to say. Certainly, I think puts rest all the superhero fatigue discussion. I think there is definitely still an ample appetite for films that can do great storytelling, whether they're superheroes in them or not. But the question I've got, since we're talking about numbers in this session, is what can possibly overcome Infinity War now? Anything? Now, if we would have, if we could go back and rewrite history and say that episode seven and eight hadn't come out, I could say, Gerald, well, the only thing that would ever break Infinity War's record is a new Star Wars film. Wouldn't it be great after 35, 40 years, a new Star Wars film comes out? Wouldn't that possibly break it? Well, that's not the the world and the timeline we live in. Of course, Star Wars Episode Seven came out. It was huge, two hundred forty eight million, like you said. Last Jedi still had a huge debut, two hundred twenty million. What do you do to break this? I mean, again, going back to the stats, ten years of films led up to this one culmination, and that's exactly part of the reason why it earned so much in its first few days. Because, like you said, this is a culmination of that, and a lot of people were invested in that but also there was a curiosity by those who haven't been following the mcu and i noticed a lot of people were there was either their first marvel movie or one of their few marvel movies that they've ever attended because of this event and i think they wanted to be part of this event type atmosphere when it comes to seeing something surpass it in the short term Episode 9 is being hampered by the polarizing effect of Episode 8. Yes, we know J.J. Abrams is now directing it. He did such a great job with The Force Awakens, which, you know, on par, it's, it's it's a pretty good film. Not a great film, but the fact that it came out when it did after so many years reinvigorating the Star Wars franchise. He got the job done, so give him kudos for that as far as what you think of Episode 7. That's notwithstanding the proof is in the pudding and the proof is right there money wise when it comes to episode nine i do not think he's going to be able to replicate that type of performance simply because the fact that episode eight has that polarizing effect and people may even if it's a great film they will probably go ahead and maybe see it in its second third week after the word of mouth comes to, comes to play. That, well, that's, it's the second sequel, right? So we know yeah. that you're going to have diminishing returns every time. You know you're going to get everybody that loved The Last Jedi, and you'll probably get half the people that hated The Last Jedi. A huge chunk of that. So if you look at those numbers, 220 million, you're going to get half of that, right? So you're going to get 110 million for sure. And then out of the other 110 million, you're going to get maybe 55. So you're going to get 165, maybe at best, with some curious people to see how it ends. And there's only few iterations that are out there, few franchises that have 
buck those trends. I mean, we talked about the Fast and the Furious series, so that seems to go all over the place. And in recent years has actually gotten more powerful in what would be perceived as far as the downfall normally with other franchises when it comes to the sixth, seventh, and eighth movies in its installments. Consider the Bond. Skyfall was, what, the 22nd, 23rd? And that was over a billion dollars, making it the highest Bond ever. So those are rare occurrences. With normal film franchises, they have a tendency to maybe peak at a second or third and then go down from there. So the Transformers, for instance, that's that's probably a great example right there with one that just seemed to, at this point in time, in its fifth or sixth installment, just seems to be going downhill. It's going to be hard for anything in the short term to surpass that kind of success. I don't see anything at this point in time, but who knows? You know, obviously, four, I guess, could, could do it. I don't even think Avengers 4 is going to do it. I, I really think that this was an event, and I think this is something that culminated 10 years. I th- There is a lot of great feedback among the fans, but I don't even think Avengers 4 will surpass it, and I don't think it should be expected. Well, let's call to. it Avengers 6 then, or whatever it is, and 10 years from now, the next thing. Because at first I thought there was Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2. It was originally stated as that. Yeah, that's what I thought. And I guess that just changed or I haven't seen the film. So I'm guessing it ends on a cliffhanger from some of the murmurings. I will continue those murmurs because I have seen the film and it does kind of lead into. Okay, I'll, I'll, for all better, you know, I'm not spoiling anything, but it I is read a, the comic books. Joe. It, it is a part one. It is a part one uh, of okay. two, but it's just the, well, they're interesting to see how they handle it, though. Right. Because what I think the smartest thing that they've done in this universe is they have this big story that is all funneled towards this one film. Now, we, of course, we've had sequels within this. We've had Thor one, two and three and Captain America and Winter Soldier and Civil War, which even which kind of felt more like an Avengers film, but it's actually a Captain America film. And of course, we've got all these other little tangents and Hulk and, and stuff like that. But all this kind of funneled into one thing. So now that we've had this big universal event, I wonder if they're going to stop and kind of go wide again. Where it's okay, okay, so Black Panther 2 is playing off this. So we're not talking about the big thing. It's kind of overshadowing everything that's going on. And we'll advance it a little bit. And then in the next Spider-Man film, we'll advance the big story just a little bit as well. Until finally we get those films that are right on the spine to culminate one more time. So that, you know, if... Again, I haven't seen it, so this isn't a spoiler. If you know all the Avengers die or something like that, you can look into like how they're dying or how they're being replaced over the course of the next ten years and get put back together. And and what's the case? You know, what is the ongoing mystery? If the other one was, you know, the Tesseract and these Infinity Stones and and all that, what are the new little trinkets and these little puzzle pieces that they're going to be able to kind of link all these other films together in the same way that agent Coulson was in the early days. And then it became the infinity stones. What are they going to do going forward so that they can tell that culminating story? I think that would be some smart storytelling. That'll do it for another episode of the cosmic crossfire. Let us know what you think out there. Hit us up on Facebook, pop culture cosmos and on Twitter on Twitter. It's pop culture, cosmos, humanity, media game source, and at Rob McZob on Twitter. Again, also as well, Please support this awesome project, Galaxy of Hope. Just search it out on Kickstarter today, and you can go ahead and be a part of some 
great film magic that I know Rob and Jay would like to produce out there for you. Appreciate it, Gerald. Uh, and hopefully we'll be back soon to talk more about Galaxy Hope, the benefits of being a backer, and some really cool things in store. Definitely looking forward to it. And Rob, as always, it's great having you a part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford. Thank you so much for sticking it out with us all the way through the program want to thank the young ghosts if you want to check out the entire program it is available on the topic Ocalypse channel on podbean apple podcasts and so many other podcast outlets also want to thank rob mccallum for stepping into the cosmic crossfire don't forget to support today on kickstarter his outstanding project idea galaxy of hope an unauthorized star wars documentary You can do it today. Go to kickstarter.com and search out Galaxy Hope, and you're contributing to an awesome upcoming film project, and that's definitely something worth doing, I can assure you. Before we head on out, I know you wanted to take some time to share your thoughts on some games you were hoping that would be reimagined, and I know I was hoping to share some thoughts on some games that I thought needed some love as well but i want to hear first your thoughts on some video games that you think need some modern love here in 2018 and given a brand new life to share with audiences and gamers that may not be aware that they even existed and may appreciate it if it's reimagined yes yes so i was thinking about this and you know like sega's dropping their classic collection nintendo is supposed to be um you know, having some old classics come out. And I just started thinking, like, what properties are out there that have been dark for a long time but would be really fun to play on modern consoles? And the first thing that came to mind is, you know, I'm a huge Streets of Rage fan, so why don't we have games like that anymore? You know, we used to have even, like, games like Gauntlet, how you could just you could crawl through dungeons with three of your friends and you just kind of you all shared lives but it was fun you know you you very not often did you make it to the end but it was still a fun game to play and that's the same thing with streets of rage you can kind of crawl through the streets and throw trash cans and fight people with your buddies and you know when you ran out of lives or quarters that was the end of the game yeah remember gauntlet was reimagined what three two three years ago and it did find the market that it was hoping to because they kind of made it too, I don't know, it just did click for whatever reason. Yeah, and you know, also, you have to be careful with stuff like that too. I know that it was, it was maybe it felt a little bit too modern, but there is an audience for it, I think. And especially like you have a game like uh, the Simpsons arcade game. Remember that? They used to have those like Pizza Huts and the arcades and stuff and you could had four joysticks you can sit there and play with your friends you had marge with a vacuum cleaner you just kind of went through springfield fighting people there's not a lot of games like that anymore 
you don't have the 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 side scrollers or even not even just the side scrollers like it, it can be 3d but you don't have games that you can play with your buddies like that anymore it's all centered around like battle royale stuff or like big massive multiplayer maps or, and stuff like that you don't have like borderlands is really the last game that i could think that truly allowed you to have a good time with your buddies destiny is all completely com- almost completely multiplayer they need to bring games back that let you just hang out with your friends and play and have a good time there's not a lot of games out there like that anymore and you know outside of that genre of like arcade style games you know a, a property that i was thinking would be fun that we haven't seen in a long time is croc remember that on the playstation i do that was a very solid game when i came out yeah and i don't know like what happened to that you know again we're going back to like mascot oriented games but croc was something that it hit with audiences and then croc 2 came out and people people liked it, it was okay but people didn't like it as much as the first croc but still like it it found its audience and then it disappeared so i don't i don't know i would love to see croc and i'd love to see a return of like the arcade style games but there's a lot of properties that if you look back on them they could be cool on modern consoles but people just don't want to take the time to reinvent them do you have any games that you'd like to see make a comeback I would, and it starts off with an original Xbox title, and I believe it also came out for the PC and PS2, if memory serves, or some other format as well. That was 13, or actually it was shown as a Roman numeral XIII, but it is 13. It's a great looking, at that point in time, cell-shaded game. It was a mystery where you woke up, you got amnesia, and you don't understand what happened, and it looks like you shot the president. Kind of like a mystery game. So you're figuring out what's going on, but there's people trying to hunt you down and kill you at the same time. And you got to figure out and unravel this mystery. And I would love to see that game reimagined. And I think it would be a great single player adventure, although it had a really solid multiplayer as well. And you don't have to keep it in the cell shaded look, although it definitely worked for that point of time because obviously the, the power of the actual console itself necessitated decisions such as that but it was to me a great experience and i would like to see that rematch and because we don't have a lot of single player games and you're you're asked to think and make decisions and also unravel a mystery of that's really pertinent because it's you going through the mystery and you're trying to unravel figure out what's going on because you know if you don't you're going to go ahead and either get killed or be arrested for a crime you didn't actually commit. Well, cell shading games are kind of coming back too, right? You you see a lot of the those the indie games on like Nintendo Switch have kind of the cell shading going for them. Yeah, I mean, you know, like like you mentioned, there's not a lot of games like I God of War really is the first time that you've seen a game that's kind of enveloped you in a story like what you're talking about before. And for the most part, it's it's just like it's multiplayer and it's battle royale and stuff like that. You just don't get the experiences that you once had. And I'm hoping that eventually that type of game will make a comeback. And maybe God of War did set the precedent. And, you know, I'm not saying God of War really changed the landscape, but it did show that there is a desire for those games and they need to stop saying that there's not and maybe through that we'll one day find a future where where some of these games that we we know and love and grew up with couldn't have a place on modern consoles absolutely couldn't agree with you more are there any other games that you're thinking that you might want to see come back to life or given a new life actually 
you know, that's a good question. I'd love to see like Vector Man. I, I was always a huge fan of Vector Man. I don't know how fun that would be to kind of be more like a a mix of like Bomberman and Metroid, I guess. But I'd like to see that. And there's some old um, there's some old racing games I used to like on Sega, like the Road Rash. But most of all, like I would really love to see a new Twisted Metal game come out because those were always fun. I remember coming home from school and playing those with my buddies and that was always a good time to me. I'd have to like honestly just go through a catalog, like a, a list of games I used to like, and you know get back to you on that. But uh, yeah, there's a lot out there. Like Gex was cool, and Croc was cool, and there's there's a few others I'm sure that I'm just not thinking about right now. Like Pilot Wings was was a, another fun one. That was a Nintendo property. Crimson Skies or uh, Armed and Dangerous. There's a lot of properties out there that were fun, but they've just gone dark and. You know, you look at the modern gaming landscape and there's no way that they would fit into this new world. But again, you know, I'd like to see Cool Borders come back. Like, uh, that was always fun for me. But, you know, who who knows when's the next time we're going to see a game like that. But there's also some games that kind of disappointed or just didn't cut the mustard at the time that they come out. But it was actually a novel and good idea that if it had been done right, would have actually met an audience. One such game for me was Alpha Protocol. I really wanted that game to click. I was looking so forward to that game. In fact, I remember as we just started Game Source and just really started going to E3 and all that. And I actually, if you if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, you can actually see it up here in the right hand corner. And one of the games that I actually profiled on it was Alpha Protocol because I was actually so excited to go ahead and get that game pre-ordered in advance and Sure enough, when I got the game, it stunk, and it was just really just a, a loser and it just really just a box full of poop as far as that's concerned. People were really getting into the Mass Effect scenario of making a game based on choices that you make during the course of the game, and unfortunately, the quirky type characters, the story itself, just nothing seemed to mesh, the repetitive gameplay and the generic bad guys that you were fighting or just didn't make any sense. It was, it was a novel idea that somebody put on paper and just didn't come to execution. If somebody could get a hold of that property and go ahead and do something with it really substantial, to me, it just wouldn't make a lot of sense because the spy genre has not been covered well in a long time. There's really not been any really good spy games that have come out in quite a spell. Even the Bond game iterations that have made it two consoles have not really been that good since 007. So I'd really like to see something brought out in that context. And a rebirth or a reimagining of Alpha Protocol could do the trick, in my opinion. What games would you like reimagined? Is there a certain title, certain genre, certain story, certain concept? You want reimagined, you want brought back to life, and you want popularized once again. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game stores on Facebook and Twitter as well. So, Josh, any last thoughts on the way out, my friend? Uh, no, I mean, we might have some news for you guys coming up soon, but I can't think of anything at the moment. No worries. I'll tell you what, it's still going to be a packed episode we've got coming up on Friday. Obviously, we've got more great stuff for you on the way, including talking a little bit more about Deadpool 2. Summer movie season is coming up strong right now. We've got so much to talk about there. And then also, like we said, 
right around the corner is E3. So we got a lot to talk to you as we go along into the summer months. Definitely stick with us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos to get your fix on what the latest news and trends are in pop culture. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. <laughs>